going into a situation and listening with no expectation. People miss out on a lot because they have expectations, so they're not able to appreciate what is. So I think it's important, whether it's a concert, whether it's a movie, whether it's food, you know, just see what it is. Hi, I am your host, Raquel Ark, and welcome to your Listening Superpower podcast. This show opens your mind on ways to transform challenging conversations into opportunities for clarity, connection, and ease at work and at home. Discover how to grow your listening superpower to help you become a more effective communicator. Be inspired by conversations with authors, scientists, and leaders that will help you grow your leadership toolbox with strategies that you can use right away. Let's work smarter and feel better with our listening superpower. What can we learn about listening from a Grammy-winning musician extraordinaire? Our guest, Terry Gully, is one of the most influential artists of his generation. Our deep conversation takes listening to a level you may not have considered before. How do musicians listen to create something really beautiful? What impact can you have when you start conversations at zero? Widely recognized for his creativity, versatility, and authenticity, Terion has mastered a variety of musical genres. He performs, tours, and records extensively with a variety of artists from jazz legends and modern masters to the hottest hip-hop icons, many names you've heard before. Terion is deeply committed to education and inspiring other musicians. He has served as a professor of music at the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg, Canada, and he has also given clinics and master classes all over the world, including Australia, Canada, France, Germany, New Zealand, and Austria. Our conversation takes us on a surprising journey from being on stage to also listening on a jury in a courtroom for a murder case. Enjoy listening to this conversation with Terion and learning about listening from this amazing musician. When did you first notice the power of listening, whether it worked or it didn't? I think originally the first time I noticed the power of listening was probably growing up in church and playing, participating in a, in a church service. And what was it that you noticed about that listening? What was it that resonated when you, when you think about that time period? For me, it was the power of the music, what the music and the emotions and guess the um, reaction of the people, how they reacted to the music. So that was like the first thing, first time I really understood the power of listening. And it wasn't just the music, it was like the the musician listening to the, the tone and the timbre of the preacher, which said, okay, it's time for you to start playing, you know? So he had these musical cues or changing intonations in his voice, which alerted the organist or pianist that they should play along with them. So that was the first time. So in that listening at church as a musician, then being really in tune with when to, when to accompany or how to mm. 
join the sermon or whatever the preacher was doing to create a certain type of feeling or atmosphere? Yes. Like when the preacher's trying to wrap it up, he may he or she may start to, instead of just speaking, they may start to sing the word and just start adding a little bit of notes, music to their voice. And then at that moment, the musician has to listen to hear what key it is, what mood the preacher is trying to convey to the audience, you know. And a lot of times the preacher, he's feeling it and he don't feel comfortable or he or she doesn't feel comfortable in that key. And then they may modulate up or modulate down, you know, and change keys depending on how they feel. So the musician has to be right there with them to change this tonality. Hey, how old were you when you were playing at church? Man, that's a good question. I think I figured out that I know I was playing drums when I was probably nine or eight or nine or 10. Because I remember Michael Jackson's Off the Wall came out in like 79 or 78, I believe. And I remember being able to play all the beats on that record. And so I was probably like eight or nine. And I was just thinking like, you, so you were pretty young even when you started playing at church. Mm-hmm. And so that really had a big impression and like learning how to listen to this way where you're really in tune with the situation, the person, with the atmosphere and noticing how to play and probably the impact that it had on the audience. Yeah, for sure. Cause you know, as a kid, you're very impressionable, you know, so that's like the prime learning time, you know, so watching, listening, you know, observing. I'm just, I like to observe, period. So I learned a lot by just observing. So that was definitely one of the things that sparked my interest and like really got me into music was just like the power that this music had, you know. And that's just the beginning of the church sermon, but like noticing the how, what type of song the minister of music may play during the offering time, you know. There was always something upbeat and happy to make people happy about giving money. He never, they never played something sad when it was offering time. It was always something upbeat and joyful. But then when it was time for people to pray or come, come down, it was always a certain tone or timbre to the music, you know. And I saw, as a kid, I saw how, you know, how effective that was. Yeah. And how would you say that this is experience of learning how to listen in this way at this time period, you know, through the church experience when you were younger, how did that impact your music later on and how perhaps you interact also with people in conversations? Oh, for sure. It definitely impacted me musically. Music is is sound, you know, language is sound. To me, language is music. Language is rhythm and phrasing and timing and inflections, you know, all these little subtle things, you know. Like in uh, Mandarin, you can say a tone up can mean a totally different, have a totally different definition from a tone down in the same word, you know? So it's very crucial in language and in music. But in music, for me, it's very big because the way I play and the way I go about music is, is about doing whatever I can do to make the music better. And I think the way we do that as musicians is by listening you know, listening to all the the spaces or the sound in between the spaces, you know, and being able to hear a bunch of different things going on at once. Like, for example, the concert you saw, I was six musicians on the stage, you know, playing at the same time. You know, 
just saying that sounds chaotic. You know what I mean? You know, six musicians playing at the same time. So just imagine how you can have six people in a conversation. If everybody's talking and rumbling and saying the same thing over each other, it's not a good conversation. It's very hectic. So you have to have spaces and give and take, you know, push and pull, you know. You have to have space for somebody to be able to respond or have room to sit in the silence and think about what somebody has just played or what somebody has just said. A lot of times people like to interject and don't even realize what was just said. You know what I mean? So it's the same with music. So it's very, very similar. Yeah. And, you know, you could tell she just had great joy when she was just sitting there listening to different, you know, to you guys play when sometimes when she wasn't singing, she was sitting and she was just enjoying you were enjoying each other when some of you were playing a little bit, you know, like let's say it was focused on the drums or let's say it was focused on the guitar that you guys were enjo- you're supporting each other, enjoying each other, and then you'd be all in tune with each other. So it was really, it was a wonderful experience. So you made some comment that, you know, not all listeners listen. And just so you know, I'm also part of a lot of listening community and we've discovered that, you know, also listeners who are experts and listeners don't always listen. <laughs> We have to work at it. <laughs> and so when you say that that you've noticed that this listening piece has a really has a huge impact on this very high level of music, can you tell me more about that type of listening that takes things to this this other level that you're talking about? For example, like there are only so many musical notes, you know. There have been billions of songs written. When it comes to improvisation, sometimes people work out a lot of things that they like to play for a solo. Let's just say you just got a whole bunch of ideas. Like we have language. We only have, we have a limited vocabulary when it comes to language. But if you're listening and and using more than just the language you have and communicating, you have an unlimited amount of things you can say and, and do. You know, if you're using things other than the language that you've learned. And what I mean by that is like, you know, for 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 example, like with this music, this band that you saw, we're playing jazz. We've had different musicians play. And we, that's one of the beautiful things about the music. We play with a lot of different musicians. And like I said earlier, for me, the best experience for me is when I play with other musicians who really listen. Some musicians just play what they already know, you know, or they play a solo that's completely about them and not really interact with the rest of the musicians. You know, they don't play or leave enough space to hear what we're actually doing. You know, I just did a masterclass Austria a few days ago. The pianist and the good, it was a small group with two horns, piano, guitar, bass, and drums. And a guitar player and a bass player, they was accompanying the trumpet solo. And then after they got through, I asked one of them, what the, asked each, each of them what the other had played while they were comping. And neither one of them can answer because they was like, they wasn't listening. You know, and it sounds like it. At one point, the guitar stopped playing because his hands got tired and he just played like a long chord. And me and my friend Ruben Rogers, the bass player who was with me, we we didn't even look at each other, but I saw him at the, you know, at the corner of my eye. We both was like, yeah, like finally somebody is listening and playing something different. What happened was he played, his hands got tired and he just played a long note chord for like maybe three measures. Then he started back to doing just what he was doing. But if he was actually listening to what the music was saying and what the others were playing, he would have known that the long note chord that he played was much more appropriate and made the music much better than what he was playing previously and what he continued to play after his after his hands got some rest. So, so what is it that you think stops people from being in tune with each other and listening at this level? 
I don't know if this is correct, but I feel like through evolution, people have got inherently selfish, and especially with social media being about me, 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 and everybody want to have their own thing and be the leader. No one wants to follow. I think it's something just instilled with people that they don't listen. It's it's more about themselves versus what's best for the group or what's best for the collect. And I think that can be said for a lot of things, but especially for music. And the more you, you have to be kind of selfless and understand that if we listen, we can really make something really beautiful happen versus everybody in their own world playing all the stuff that they practice alone by themselves. And now we're all alone together doing this versus listening and making one coherent, beautiful thing. Can you give me an example where you were working with a group or with a situation where something beautiful came out? I'm sure you've had different ones, but maybe there's one that you can share with our audience, the output or the outcome without knowing what that would be. But it was because maybe it was a surprise at what came out just from having that type of experience of creating something beautiful by being together. Earlier this year, I was subbing for or drumming this band and they asked me to do this gig and the, the band, the music is really, 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 really difficult. It's like super difficult. So we did like a few days at a club, the Black Cat in San Francisco. The music, you know, it's really difficult. And those guys have been playing it for a while. This was my first time playing it or whatever. So after we did that gig, they wanted to do a live video in Los Angeles like a few weeks later. Well, anyway, the bass ends up, he had to take another tour and he had been touring Europe. So we were going to cancel the gig. And I was like, man, let's just do it and just get another bass player and do something and just improvise the whole gig, you know? So we end up doing that. And at that particular venue, they had been doing this this regular thing or whatever, where it's like a jam session or whatever. I insisted that we didn't play anything with that we know, that we just start from zero and everybody had to listen and we just make up the whole show. And so the result was like the people who over the venue was like, man, that was the best, the best show that they've had since they had been doing the series all year. And the musicians really felt good that we're doing it. And they was like, man, you know, it was a different approach. You know, it was much more space and you have to listen, but then you also have to figure out how you fit in and how to add your part, how to build the music, how to take it to different places. And, you know, and that requires a lot of listening and being, you know, self selfless, you know, in order to make that happen. Hmm. So I love this example. And oh, wouldn't, wouldn't we love to have more conversations with people like this? You know, conversations, I'm just thinking about the music where you're starting from zero, not with your agenda, not with what you think you know, not with your expertise, not with all this stuff, but you're starting from zero. And that it ended up being one of the best shows they'd had. It felt good. They had more space. They listened. And in that listening, they had to figure out, you know, how do I fit in here? How do we fit in as a group? What are the, what's the, from the I to the we, <laughs> how am I seen, but I see you. <laughs> yeah. And everybody, like I said, everybody is not good in that type of situation, you know, because they have, they method, you know, and they only limit it to what they know and refuse to let go and like actually listen. You know, they feel that they got to do what they always done when actually, you know, a lot of times I would stop playing. If I hear too, when I hear that people are playing too much, I play a lot less. That's what I do to try to make the music better. 
like in this experience that you just described, because it was a new experience throughout that show, I'm sure it was it was the greatest show, but maybe it wasn't as smooth in the beginning. Maybe it became smoother at a certain time. Was there a moment where it just gelled more or was it gel from the very beginning? <laughs> um, I think I thought it, it gelled from the very beginning because, you know, it was a different bass player. You know, we didn't have any music. He was a younger bass player and he looked up to me. So he was like kind of looking at me like, what should he do? But it, you know, I was like, man, you got it. Let's just, you know, just listen and see what happens, you know. <laughs> Since you've been in, you know, you've been a musician for many, many years, right? <laughs> so if you were to, there's probably things that you know now that you didn't realize maybe when you first started. If you were to give a few tips of what might be important for people who are starting their their career, also in terms of this this level of music, what you're talking about right now, what what would be some things that you would have them that would help them to be able to develop in this way where they can really be a part of creating something beautiful with others? First thing I would say is, um, it's one thing I teach and I often say in my master classes or clinics, workshops, whatever. Like today, we are blessed and cursed with the internet, you know? And I say that because you have so much information at the tip of your finger, you know? That like, how do you really digest or ingest that information you know like how often do you go to youtube to actually just learn something or do you go to youtube to fix the problem that you're dealing with right at that moment you know which are two different things what i mean by that like for music for example i grew up in a time where we had to listen to cassette tapes then cds and actually early on they were still playing records or whatever we would listen to a tape until it wouldn't play no more, you know, one one tape and flip it over and listen to the other side and keep back and forth. So that's how I learned music and listen to music. Whereas now musicians don't even want to listen to music unless it's video to it, you know, which is sad, but it's very true, you know, and just think. You know, I was just at a musician's house, actually the same workshop we did in Austria. He had, he took me to his house and he had a whole wall of CDs organized, you know, and organized by musician, instrument, in alphabetical order, you know. That takes a whole understanding and, and knowledge just to do that. You know what I mean? I mean, you have to have checked out the music and really listen to the CDs, you know. So, but now... You can literally just punch up a CD on your a recording in on your phone and listen to that recording. I would say now 90% of the musicians that listen to music don't have no idea who the musicians are that they're listening to. They just may know the artist, the leader of the band, you know, but because streams doesn't have personnel on them, you don't know who you're actually listening to, you know? So it becomes... It becomes detrimental to your learning and understanding of the music. So I highly recommend musicians just starting out, really take the time and really listen to the music. Listening to the music is totally different from checking out the music. You know what I mean? Like often somebody might say, here's something, check this out. And you might look, listen to it once or twice or go in and pick out the jazz standards that you know and only listen to those songs and may not necessarily listen to the originals because you don't know them. You know, but that's the new way. But if for me, I still do it to this day. If it's a, a style or artist, I want to really 
understand or comprehend the um, concept of the music. I would listen to that one CD for, you know, weeks at a time and I know the CD back and forth before I move on to literally listening to something else. So when you're listening to that CD over, you know, the couple of weeks or however you do it, what are you listening for? I'm listening for everything. That's the difference, you know, so I can be, I can sing what the bass is playing, sing the little intricate hits that the drums are doing, or be able to sing along with all the solos because I've, you know, I've internalized the music now, you know, and have a better understanding of everything that's happening in the music versus just checking it out one time and kind of, kind of hearing it, you know? So that's the difference. Okay. So like when you're listening, you're also like, you might listen to the whole and then you'll go back and listen to like really pay attention to the drums and really feel it and pay attention and feel the rhythm, move with the rhythm see how you play with it or go on to the next yeah, one and just really break into pieces. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Like you cook. Mm-hmm. What do you, yeah, what, I cook. like what is like one of your favorite dishes that you uh, cook well, I, really I like... well, that you cook really well. <laughs> I like to cook from, you know, I was grew up in Puerto Rico, so I'll make rice and beans and mm-hmm. arañitas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> arañitas. So, arañitas are from pla- the plantains. plantains yes. <laughs> yeah. So like with the, with the rice and beans, uh, some people say beans and rice. Or well, in Jamaica, they say peas and rice. But with the rice and beans, you know, you're not going to look, you're not going to go to YouTube to figure out how to make a rice and beans because you really know how to make the rice and beans, correct? Right. And I do it a lot intuitively. I, like, I don't even yeah. measure 100% the water exactly. and the rice. I have a feeling for it. Exactly. So, like, but if it's like, let's say, cacho y pepe or something like that, you might have to go on YouTube and do some trial in there, you know, but after so many times of like really checking it out, then you really own it and you might not have to look at that recipe anymore. And that's how music is. So like listening to music and really listening to the music, everything is intuitive. You know, everything is going to happen. You can sing along with the whole record, like perfectly because you listen to it so much and you've internalized it so much. Whereas if it's something you only checked out, you can't do that. You know, so there's a lot of misinformation that you're missing out on because you haven't really listened to it. Yeah, there's there's so much here. There's so much in what you're saying. Also, I think in terms of interactions with people. So I'm always connecting that to to how we interact with people. And I was thinking when you take that, so you really, really understanding the musician, understanding each musician within the whole, you know, also is how they work together, the journey they take you on in that piece or whatever, how it makes you feel where it kind of becomes every part of your cell, it sounds like. Yeah. When you think about, like, I'm just thinking about what I observed also with in the concert with you, with Dinah Reeves, and when you're thinking about jazz and the concert that, or this um, example that you gave where you guys started from zero, what what thoughts do you have on how you can take what, how you play music together and how that works in terms of how you collaborate with people? Oh, it's very important. Like I just use myself as an example. I started in jazz pretty late. I didn't I didn't know what a private lesson was until I got to college, you know. So listening is very important to me. So once I got around, you know, musicians who had been doing it for a while, they talk about music and records that I hadn't heard or didn't know. Or talk about anything. I listen. I didn't I was really cool with saying I don't know that record. You know how some people feel I'm comfortable with not knowing. And I think that's a human 
you know, reaction also, a lot of people feel inadequate if they don't know and feel like it's something wrong. But I think that's how you learn is by being first comfortable and and cool with not knowing. And then therefore you are able to learn, listen and learn, you know? And I think um, with people and humans in, in conversations specifically, you know, you have people that may know more than others and they might talk too much and may not listen. But you also have people who interject in between while somebody is making a comment because they really want to say what they have to say, you know? And I think that takes a lot of discipline to not do that, you know? And we all are, sometimes you just have to, if if the person won't stop or leave the space for you to, what's the, I don't want to say correct way to, you know, to have a conversation. And, and I, that can be tricky if the person is continuing to talk nonstop. And I was just thinking, what you know, what if like in that situation with if everybody starts at zero that we don't know <laughs> and we give space each, for each other to kind of, you know, everybody has a chance to say what they want to say. But at the same time, you're kind of listening to each other. So it's creating something together, you know, connected. And then, you know, what can come out of that? I think that there's actually some really great things that can come out of that. Not from only not only from a music uh, level, but also from a project perspective. Yeah, really cool. Is there anything else that you think of that you would be important for our listeners or to think about when it comes to listening, whether it's connected to to the music, whether it's connected to work or working with people or any or people who are or any other situation, any other thing that you feel like is important to share with our audience? Yeah, sometimes I think it's very important. This may be a little esoteric, but I think. Sometimes you have to listen and listen in a way where you can hear what's not being said. And I think I think that's a very important skill, you know, whether it's in business or education or music, especially, you know. I just think in general, I think that's something that on the only way you can do that is really pay attention to what's being said, you know, in order to hear what's not being said. And how do you... I think what you're saying is really, really important. How do you? How did you start noticing that? Like, and what did you do to start listening to what was not being said? It's a lot of different triggers of like the response, the rhythm, the cadence, you know, the hesitancy, or or just looking at a person, you know, within the conversation, or understanding the situation and the surroundings, and you know, all those things. And just and then paying attention to details and paying attention, you know, I think that's a big part of it. And especially in like academia, not just academia, but I don't know, you know, and like panels and conferences and things like that. I think a lot of times when it comes to subjects, people inherently have things that they want to say and they must say. Be listening to what's even being said at the moment because they're so focused on what they want to say, you know. This was off the subject. I just remembered that that that's like one of the one of my pet peeves. And a lot of times you might somebody on the panel might say what they're going to say, but they've been was so much focused on what they were what they wanted to say that they didn't hear that it was said already. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, mean, I I get that sometimes. Also, in, you know, teaching or training, and they're like, "Oh yeah," and they said something, and it was just said a few moments ago, and you could tell they weren't listening. Or, or when they say, oh, I agree with what the other person said. And you're like, do you know what they said? 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think it can. Oh. I think that can be a, a perfect example. This is a more serious example. But a few weeks ago, I just had to serve on a jury, and it was unfortunately it was a murder case. This was my first time serving, like having to actually serve, and I I couldn't understand like why are they picking me for this murder case? It was very disturbing, and it was very you know a major you know experience in my life. But I was asked question like the universe, like, why am I here? Like, what's the point? Like, why am I here? But anyway, the basic of the trial was that a, a man and a woman was arguing. No, yeah, a man and a woman was arguing. And then another man came to the situation and another man was called and somebody was murdered. If you listen to all the testimony, according to the evidence or lack of evidence, the only two people in the house at the time of the shooting was the murderer, was the victim, and the person who who shot the victim. And this was according to possibly seven people being at the house, but all, everybody testified that nobody saw the shooting, but everybody testified that these two people were arguing. Somebody was shot. So it was gun shells in the in the kitchen where the where it happened. So according to what was said that meant that the two people that were arguing, the one person that was shot, he's dead, and the other person is alive. So therefore, that person who um, was still alive was the was the one who actually did it. And it's interesting because this was my first time, and it was just to be you know transparent. It it was fourteen of us, and you know for the jury, and it was I thought it was like going to be just a open and shut case and they was going to say that this guy killed him but me listening to what was not being said by the witnesses I didn't agree and didn't think that the person that they said did it actually did it so me and another guy in the jury we thought completely different and we saw things and heard things that wasn't literally wasn't said you know but according to what we heard and what we thought wasn't been said, we didn't basically agree with the decision that the majority of the people agree with. Make a long story short, it will end up being a hung jury. They have to do a retrial. To make a long story short, the judge came in and basically saw what we wrote on the board and was like, wow, the person that y'all actually that you guys thought did it was actually arrested for that same charge. You know, he was one. So he should have been like a co-defendant, you know, but, and she's like, actually, and the defense, and they told us that they actually thought that this other person was the one that actually did it, you know? So everybody else in the jury, they were baffled and appalled that they didn't have this information. And they thought me and the other guy were being crazy because our theory was talking about something that wasn't been said, you know. But we deduced from by what, you know, just because people wasn't saying it doesn't mean that it wasn't possible, you know. And they and and they were really putting a lot of weight on what was said by one of the witnesses who was actually the def, the guy that the police re- arrested like 2 days after the murder. So somehow they they knew that he was involved. And they 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 were going to prosecute the two of them, but somehow only the defendant who was on trial ended up being prosecuted. So 
it was a, a whole mess up, but it was it was a eye eye opener for the other jurors and they couldn't believe it. it's like, man, y'all were right, you know, and they felt bad that they were about to put a man in jail for God knows how long, who possibly didn't do it. And and that was a big lesson for me to like stick with my guns and, you know, really listen versus going by what we've been told. And, you know, as a listener and a podcast and someone, you know, who's traveled the world, you know, rhetoric and deep state, you know, deep fakes, you know, you have to really you have to as now as human beings and people living in this world, we have to listen more than ever, you know, and listen to what's not being said, you know, more so than you than what's been said, you know, because there's so many untruths, you know, disguised as truths, you know, so you have to really be a listener to discern on your own for everything now, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking, like you said, it was a person who was loudest, which might have been the one that actually did it. And so in general, you think about some of these situations where the loudest, often the attention is given to the loudest voice, but actually listening to what to what they actually say, but the truth is actually beyond what they say. There's much more there. Yeah, such an important story. Thank you for sharing that. That's And that is just, yeah, just to show you the beauty of what can be created, but also the impact of listening to what not is not being said. If you only listen to what is being said, it could be that you make choices or decisions that have an enormous impact that may not be based on the truth on the, or the whole or the whole picture, the whole picture. Yeah. So I know we're getting to the end of our, our time in the podcast. So I'd love to just before we circle out, I just want you to know that your, you know, I know your wife, she's also a podcaster and she's, says that you have been her largest teacher in listening (laughs) because she tends to jump into things too quick. (laughs) And, you know, I think about, you know, also with people that we care about that we love the most, you know, sometimes it's hardest because we assume that we know things about them. (laughs) We We tend to jump in and finish their sentences. Is there any thoughts? Because a lot of times people say that women are better listeners than men, but I don't necessarily always agree with that. I think it has a lot to do with the person. And here in this situation, you might be the better listener. Yeah, so <laughs> and what would you say to guys? <laughs> yeah, well, I, like, I don't agree. Well, I don't agree with that. Like how we like to generalize about that. I think everything is based on the individual. And like 100%, I don't generalize. People like to generalize, but I don't generalize. And um. You know, listening was just something that I learned. You know, I learned how to communicate and really listen and be cool with listening. You know, I don't have to talk. You know, I didn't used to talk. I was very shy, you know, so I wasn't a gregarious person, you know. So I'm always listening, you know. And I find I learned a lot by listening. And I find that a lot of people don't listen. And when people, like, in conversations really want to get their point across, they're not listening to the other points, you know. So that's why we don't resolve a lot of things, human race or as a country or, you know, as a leadership team or as an organization, as a corporation, because we're so focused on our gender, you know, so I think it's very important to just be open to listening and really listen, you know. Well, thank you so much for being on this, on the podcast with me. It was really a pleasure. And if People want to find you. How do they find you? Um, com, which needs to be updated, but also <laughs> on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook. I don't post a lot, you know, 
I'm, I know I'm supposed to for my business and my music, but <laughs> I try to post things that are important. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot, there's, you probably play in a lot of music that people don't realize if they've only checked you, checked out music and not really paid attention to music. And so, you know, so for those of you who are listening, check out his website and then you might be surprised and enjoy not checking him out, but also listening. Yeah, really listening. And to you, every bit. And I want to also say you said something very important earlier. You said um, going into a situation and listening with no expectations. You know, that's people miss out on a lot because they have expectations, so they're not able to appreciate what is. You know, so I think it's important whether it's a concert, whether it's a movie, whether it's food. You know, just see what it is, and then go from there versus having expectations. Thanks again. And we'll add all the notes, all of these to the bottom of the podcast. And it was really a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Terry. I'm your host, Raquel Ark, and you have just enjoyed your listening superpower podcast. This is an independent show, so please show your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and sharing with your friends. I love to hear from my listeners, what you love, what questions you have, any great guests that you have for the podcast. Email me at listeningsuperpower at gmail.com or send a voicemail at plus four nine. 173-234-0722. Check out listeningalchemy.com if you want to help your team communicate more effectively together. We focus on evidence-based listening strategies and we do it in a playful and experiential way so that your team can work better and feel better together. Thank you, Cecilia Mercado, for your amazing podcast production. Ivo Tiemann for your inspiring music and Dorte Streicher for your impactful artwork. It's been fun and see you on the next episode.